Hey, everybody. Just wanted to remind you, if you would, take a moment and go to your favorite podcast destination and leave us a nice review, if you would. Uh, Also, don't forget to rate us if you get a chance. Uh, That would really, really help us out a whole lot here. And, uh, you know, maybe we could earn some money off this thing every now and then. Thanks a lot, guys. Welcome in, boys and girls. Another fantastic episode of your favorite weekly Alabama politics podcast. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, and it's, listen, this one, you just throw away the others. This is going to be the best. You know, so, uh, start with something else because you don't want to start with this one and then have to go backwards. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I think you're right. This is going to be a good one. There's a lot. There's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. This yes, yeah, it, there is. It, it is. Listen, I'm going in with optimism. I'm going. Yeah. You know, not, yeah. I don't. I don't sell you this all the time. Okay. And by right. the way, I, I am Josh Moon, and the other voice you hear is uh, I'm, I'm David Person. Okay. So, so now you now you know the whole thing. Is Alabama politics this week? It's it's your favorite uh, political podcast focusing on the state of Alabama that is produced weekly. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, there, there's not a better one. Um, so, uh, we, I guess we'll start, um, cause we get, we got a lot of things to get to. We got another Huntsville situation with the police, which is just insanity. Incredible. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, no problems there at all. Um, uh, and, and we have a, we have a, a very good guest, uh, a police a man has been a police chief, is a police chief. Uh, and, and, and we're going to talk to him about some of these things and, and what, what's going on with policing in the, in the country overall. Uh, and, and then, but I wanted to start because there was, I guess, a fairly big, not shocking in any way announcement, uh, today or earlier this week, um, uh, from Kay Ivey who announced that, that she was going to run again, which was not, not a surprise to anybody. I think if anybody paid attention during the legislative session and you you saw how, um, are are you in a Disney fairy tale over there? Who me? Yeah. Why do you say that? I can hear birds chirping and it's like a, Oh, you can. Oh yeah, I can. I, oh, I can hear them. Great, it's like they're right in the in the conversation here with us. I can hear wow. these, these. I can't yeah. hear them. Well, let me. Okay, oh, really? Uh, no, it's so, fine. It's 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 good. It's. I mean, it brings. It's like a you know, bluebird on my shoulder kind of thing. <laughs> bluebird on my shoulder. <laughs> oh wait, David didn't have his socks on. Uh, that's that's the problem. <laughs> I did not have his socks on, and so just, we. You know, this office can be stuffy sometimes, so I like to have fresh air. That's what it is. But the window's closed. You still hear the birds now? I do not. Okay. I do not. That, that, that killed the bird. All right, so David killed a bird, and so now we're ready to go. Um, but no, it's uh, you know, so Ivy's back uh, is coming back to do this, and I would say it's not a surprise to anybody that's paid attention of late, but it is. Um, and you know, maybe it was a, it was a bit of a surprise if you had been around a couple of years ago and and saw some of the problems. Mm-hmm. You know, she had the, the health issues and things like that. And I think a lot of people assumed she was only going to be a a one term governor uh, by choice uh, in this. Um, you know, it, and, and she would bow out, bow out. But that has not been the case apparently, and she's going to hang in for another another term. And um, I, you, she's very popular. Uh, yep. with with the right um and she has conducted herself in a manner 
which leaves her far less right-wing crazy than right. a lot of her other uh, fellow Republicans. Uh, she has managed to keep herself above the fray in a lot of in a lot of these fights, uh, even though she has, um, you know, she's followed the party line on a lot of things. You know, mm-hmm. she signed the transgender bill. She signed a lot of the uh, you know abortion restrictions. She signed, you know, she signed those uh, the, these bills, these controversial bills that came to her desk. Uh, you know, in fact, the only one she didn't sign is one that held back uh, or put a delay on holding back third graders, uh, so we could. Uh, phony up those stats uh, in the in the testing scores, uh, but you know I, I just um, I, I don't know, man. I, I I think first of all she's going to get a challenger from the right. Uh, she's going to get a Trump nutcase uh, that that comes in there. I, thinking I about mean, Ziggler, you're thinking Ziggler. No, I don't think. Well, I mean Ziggler's going to going to probably do whatever Ziggler does because he can't run for auditor again and and he can't win an office. So <clears throat> you know nobody's going to actually vote for that nutcase. Uh but um I think that uh she's probably gonna get one that is funded by uh uh the Tommy Tuberville camp. Hmm. And so yeah, I know, right? And so uh we'll see. Um and uh you know if I had to guess it'd be Tim James, but we'll see how, how that works out. Wait a minute, uh, Tim James. Yeah. He's been missing in action for what, four years at least? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, he's been out trying to learn Spanish uh, because it's a, you know, it's a whole new world. And he's, I don't know, you know, I remember the Tim James commercials, the, the whole controversy around Tim James when, when he was running for governor and I he don't. made these commercials about, we speak English here. If you want to live here, learn it. Oh, wow. I don't remember that. I, I probably just probably because he's that's such a jackass kind of thing to say. Uh, it went national, you know, and, and yeah. that was I mean, I, I want to say it was on like Colbert or something mm. like that. And mm. so um, mm. it but anyways, yeah, it um, uh, so he he, um, he is he has been been out learning Spanish. And I think he's he's ready now to to launch a bilingual campaign uh, oh, for governor. Uh, and uh, no, but I, uh, so I, I believe that's probably what will happen, but we'll see. We'll see if that, you know, if that's the rumor anyway. And, um, you know, and we'll, we'll see if that, if that comes to fruition, but I think she will get a challenger regardless, uh, hmm. in there. And I mean, it would be a shame if it, it just ripped the party apart. Um, and you know, and they couldn't, couldn't function going forward. And, uh, yeah, we would, votes. we would be very disappointed to see that. Yeah. We would yeah, be we very, would I would, hard. I would cry tears of. Deep regret. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I, I guess the bigger question is, what are the Democrats going to do? Well, you know, that is a big question. And, and I, you know, as I, as I, whenever this comes up in conversation, I say to people, you know, it's an uphill climb in this state because, first of all, this is a red state. You know, it was a red state when Democrats were in charge. It was, it was a red state then. And I say that meaning culturally and uh-huh. and politically uh you you look at the kind of democrats that you know we have here in Alabama who get elected to statewide office they're never going to be the the shade of blue that democrats are elsewhere so right. so you got that challenge but then on top of that you know we have this um unfortunately a republican base that is that is beholden by and large to Donald Trump so it's going to be a challenge for Democrats. Uh, I continue to believe, and I don't know what your thoughts are, Josh, but I know I'll hear them shortly. 
I continue to believe. <laughs> You're going to say that shit regardless. <laughs> I continue to believe that the profile for a Democrat who can win statewide office is really uh, of a person who is going to be politically more moderate than I am. You know, I'm a lefty. I'm I'm tried and true lefty. You know, I'm so I'm so far to the left that, you know, some people might think I'm a communist or socialist. And, you know, and because I've, I'm educated, I, I don't bristle at that. You know, I'm mm-hmm. comfortable with my positions on things. But but I'm not the kind of person who could get elected to statewide office. You know, I'm pro gay rights. I'm pro same sex marriage. I'm pro, uh, you know, I'm I'm pro uh, a woman's right to choose, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You got to, you know, Democrats. And and I am a Democrat, so I'm going to say we Democrats have got to find someone who is uh, who's who's more centrist than than I am, and then many of us tend to be, and and I think that's just the reality. We've got to find somebody who is a a person of of Christian faith, and I don't say that because. Um, you know, I think that there's something exceptional or or that about being a person of Christian faith or something like that. Now, I am a Christian and I go to church, but but I understand that, you know, we're a pluralistic society and we're not a theocracy. So I'm not saying that that's where I'm coming from, but I am saying that the people of this state relate to people who are church going people. And if you present yourself, if you're trying to get elected to office and you present yourself as a secularist, as some would say, or a humanist or an atheist or an agnostic, uh, it's it's not going to fly. Not for statewide office. It's just not going to fly. So in my mind, that's what we need to be thinking about. Who are the candidates that can that can check off those boxes, Josh, but who also uh, line up with the with the Democratic Party base and with the general Democratic Party profile, you know, so that, that so that they're not, you know, so far to the right or, or or too deeply entrenched in the middle that they don't relate to where we're coming from when it comes to social justice, when it comes to, uh, you know, they're going to have to walk a, a fine line even on the woman's right to choose and 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 same sex marriage. They're going to have to be sort of compassionate. They're going to have to mm-hmm. have to fuse compassion and respect for people's rights with whatever their personal point of view is. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, I, cause I don't think that that's a bad candidate, like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I see what's happened in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think this is, uh, and, and to, to some degree, I think what you said has been a focus of the Alabama democratic party for a while. Uh, and I think it's, it's led us, um, astray, uh, somewhat, uh, because I believe there is a belief among people that you can, that the, the problems that we have here is a matter of finding the right candidates. Uh, when while finding the right candidate is certainly important, and and you need to you need to find somebody that has the uh, the charisma and the charm and the relatability and things like that. 
I think a much bigger problem and a much bigger focus that w- that the Democratic Party in this state has is that they have not put in the grassroots ground efforts, um, you know, over the last 15 to 20 years uh, to build a base of voters uh, up in, in areas where it really matters and focusing on your major metropolitan areas and, you know, now Madison County, Jefferson County, Montgomery, Mobile, uh, you know, uh, all Tuscaloosa, Lee County, um, uh, and building those, getting, making sure you have those base of voters out, uh, and expanding this that thing because you're not, you're not going to win Winston County. All right, you're not going to do it, and it's just it, that's just a, a sad fact. It's like a lot of those Georgia counties. So you can pull, you you can stop doing that. Uh, and, and start mm-hmm. focusing on the places that, you know, and, and building those those things up from the ground, uh, you know, like uh, Stacey Abrams and some of the folks in Georgia did. Um, and I think that's the biggest key that we uh, that we have for hope in this. I, I don't I don't listen. I don't think that there is you, you couldn't get a better candidate than Walt Maddox for governor. All right. You, you couldn't do it. Um, I mean, literally, you could not do that. I mean, it, it, he's everything you just said. Uh, moderate as a Christian, he, right. uh, you know, he, he hit all, he checked all the boxes, uh, there that, that you would want, that you'd want to have is very popular in, in his town, right. uh, you know, as mayor and, and, but when it came time, uh, you know, the folks didn't go out and vote for him. Well, and, and here's the problem with Walt Maddox, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because you're right. He checks all those boxes, but here's the problem. Uh, and this actually, I think lines up with with your analysis of what the what of what the need is for building uh cultivating a voter base uh you know doing a better job of that because I think you're exactly right on that. I think that is the other that is the other missing piece. I mean, you got to have the right candidate, but then you've also have to have uh, get the vote out in in the right numbers, the right the right kinds of voters. Uh, and and in my opinion, where Malt Maddox failed, where Doug Jones failed, where the Democratic Party has been failing over the past few years, uh, has been that they have not uh, they have not courted the party's backbone. Mm-hmm. The party's mm-hmm. backbone are black women, and mm-hmm. then an extension of black women, black voters. Yes. They have yeah. not done a good job of that. And and mm-hmm. and Walt Maddox failed in that regard, I think. Uh, and I think that that had. Uh, now, it could be that that even if he had done that to his level best, which I don't think he did. Uh, but I think even if he had done it to his level best, it still would have been a challenge for the reasons you're saying, Josh, because the Democratic Party is years behind where it should yeah. be, you know. Yeah. Uh, so so I, that's got to happen. It does, I, and and you're right. It's a uh, the, the bigger thing to me is, and I think this kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying is, mm-hmm. you, we got to stop apologizing for being Democrats. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, stop it. You know, you th- this other way that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look, I, I'll find I'll find some stats here for you. Uh, th- what 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 else is happening here? This uh, this other party that's in control of this state mm-hmm. uh, that people are lining up out the damn door to vote for over here. They're not voting for them because they're the best party and they're leading the state in the best possible manner. They're not. Right. They're, they're voting for them because they've been conditioned to do so. Because let me tell you what we are right now, and these are all stats that you can look up in in various polls over the last two years. Mm-hmm. We are fiftieth in education, forty sixth in healthcare, forty fifth in economy, forty fifth in opportunity, forty eighth in environmental pollution, forty fifth in corrections, and forty third in shooting deaths. 
Mm. That's where we rank as a state mm-hmm. in some of the most important categories in, in, in all of life. OK, um, so and they've been in Republicans have been in control now. Conservatives, uh, conservatives have been in control for 100 and you know, however damn old this, this state is. Yeah. Uh, that's how long conservatives have been in control. We, we've changed the names of the of the party that, that is in control right now. It's the Republican Party that's in mm. control and has been for the last 11 years, uh, had a stranglehold on the state house for, I believe, the last six years. Uh, that they've had a supermajority in the state house that they have grown continually over each election. So that's where they've put us with them being in charge. You've got a better way to do this. You've got a better way. You've got a better plan. You've got you've had better ideas all along. Stop pretending that you don't. Stop apologizing for being a Democrat, for being a liberal, for being, you know, whatever the hell they want to call you and say to you. You got to tell them, all right, listen, when you sit down tonight, how's your bills looking? Right. Because, listen, the guys that have been in charge for the last 10 years, they're the ones that put you in that spot. All right. They're the ones that have blocked the unions for you to help you out. They're the ones that you know that, that continue to pass stupid laws for you. They're the ones that that have killed your education systems. Uh, you know, what with their stupid AAA uh, plan and and their charter schools and all this other shit that they've thrown on the table there that that's hurt killed your local education. Mm-hmm. That's what they are, and that's who they are, and it's who they've been. And you've got a better plan. Stop apologizing for that. Yeah, and tell yeah. people what it is. Listen, I, you know, I. Uh, Raphael Warnock mm-hmm. lose by 30 points in Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and and even though he's a hell of a better candidate than anybody that's been on a ballot in this state. And I can't tell you how long, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, and, and so but that's what you got to break. It's mm-hmm. not the candidate necessarily. It's the attitude of the people. And until you affect that attitude and show people that you've got a better way and a better a better idea of how to do things, you know, I mean, I, I don't. It doesn't matter, man. We could we could literally run Jesus Christ here, and it wouldn't. It, you know, he, well, they'd vote I, him out. I, I I generally agree, though. I would say I think that they they are there's a symbiotic relationship here that is necessary. You got to cultivate the voting base. You got to expand the voting base. But you also have to give people, people are ultimately motivated not by policies or even their own needs, as the voting patterns show. People are ultimately motivated, I think, by personalities. So people are looking for leadership. They're looking for somebody that they can follow, that they can connect with, that they can put their trust in. And so I think the, the, the there's a symbiosis here that we've got to address. We need both. They, they don't. Yeah. They can't. They can't. I don't think they can effectively exist discreetly. They've got to work together. I don't. I, th- I think it's important, but I mean, I, you know, I go back to you know some of these other races when when we talk about this, and I mean, let's look, compare Tommy Tuberville and Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Tommy Tuberville is. Uh, the opposite of everything you just described. Uh, you know, he didn't. Nope. He didn't inspire inspire confidence in anybody to run anything. Well, I uh, I, I think he did for those who voted for him. Well, I mean, not. But how? But if you compare him to Doug Jones, I mean. But that's you just, and me comparing him to Doug Jones. I mean, you well, and me comparing him. It's hands yeah. down Doug Jones. But, but why? The why do those other people feel that way? Well, I think I think, that's where I think because again, he represents he represents the values that that voting base has. So again, to me, that's why I say it's got to be a perfect marriage. 
You have to, we have to cultivate the, 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 our voting base so that it grows, it expands. Um, we've got to, uh, for those people that, that have, uh, that may be slightly inclined to be Democratic voters, but refuse to because of same-sex marriage or abortion, we've got to let them know there's room for them to join the rest of us who are not where they are. And then we've got to give them a candidate that solidifies that, that seals the deal. I, Tommy Tuberville didn't seal the deal for me or you, but he sealed the deal for a lot of those other folks. And I think that's what I'm getting at, though, uh, is why? Why would Tommy Tuberville? Because he didn't take a stand on any of those things. I well, mean, he, I, didn't, he didn't take a position really on anything. Well, I think, uh, with, I think he took a position on one thing that was key. He was with Trump all yeah, the way. That, that's what I'm saying. That, that was it. That, but, so, but that's all so, they needed. For that yeah. voting base, that's all they needed. We need something different, but they needed that. But what does that mean exactly? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, mm-hmm. it, to and I think that's where we're where we have to tap into is is what does I'm with Trump mean? I mean, what does that? What where is Trump? I mean, what well, does that know, do for you? We know what it we know what it means for a lot of people. For mm-hmm. a lot of people, it means um, you know. Let's just put it out. Let's just put it out there on the table. It it means number one. I think for a lot of people, even though they they may not be comfortable admitting it, it means affirmation of white superiority, white Mm -hmm. supremacy. Um, I think for a lot of people, it means an affirmation of uh, a a certain view of America that they believe they have to have in order to be happy, satisfied, and safe. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, it's about Trump's specific kind of leadership style, you know, this sort of bully, this this president by, you know, this 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 leadership by bullying and mm-hmm. by antagonizing, you know, and and spitting on your your opponent and not being gracious, not being a grown up that appeals to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it was. Those things collectively. You know, when you say when those when when Tuberville says I'm with Trump, when Dale Strong, who's running now for Mo Brooks's seat in Congress, says he's with Trump all the way. That's what I think that he's communicating to that voting base. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't disagree uh, with it, with any of that. But at the same time, I, I don't know how you uh, you, you we're not going to find a candidate that, uh, you know, that that runs uh, on the democratic party ticket that, that meets those, you know, that they can meet those requirements of people. You're exactly right. Um, You're exactly and, right. And so, yeah. and nor do we want one, you We're know, exactly that, that right. would do that. Exactly um, right. You know, and, and, and it's kind of the same way with, I, you know, I, I, I think, first of all, I, I think we need, uh, when we talk about uh, abortion rights uh, things, I, you know, I, I feel like there are um, a, a different, subsections of people that mm-hmm. within the, those groups uh, there that uh, I think there are people that are, that are fine with certain things and not with others. And I think it gets to be very specific, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, what you are uh, in, in those things. And so I, I don't know if it's, you know, if it's fair to kind of lump everybody together and, and say that, but uh, I do think um, that, you know, when, when we're talking about uh, gay rights and thing, you know, same sex marriage and stuff, 
I, I don't think there's any wiggle room on that. You know, if you're not if you're not on board with that, uh, with with giving people their basic rights uh, mm-hmm. of things and treating them, st- staying the hell out of their bedroom, and and as long as people are not breaking the law, uh, giving them the same rights as everybody else, I don't know where where you where you get, you, you bend on on those well, things. Well, let me let me tell you about a conversation I had with a, a, a preacher buddy of mine who lives in another state just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were on the phone talking about some other business. And he said, Dave, you know, I just want you to help me understand this non-binary thing. I don't get that. What is that? You know? And so mm-hmm. we talked it through. And and the the impression he left me with, and he and I have had this conversation in various ways before, the impression he left me with was he believes that people have a right to self-determine. Mm-hmm. He believes that people have a right to self-identify. But he personally, because of his biblical, his, the way he interprets the Bible, he will never believe that, that, that homosexuality, or let's not, let me not say homosexuality, but homosexual acts, you know, mm-hmm. sex acts, mm-hmm. uh, are, he's never going to believe that that is God's will for people. He's never going to believe that. But he believes that it is God's will for people that they pursue their own destiny and they have a right to do that in this country. Mm-hmm. So that's where the sweet spot is, I think. You know, th- we can have a Democratic candidate who can say, you know, I just, I don't, I don't believe that, that uh, God intended for, uh, and this shouldn't be his lead. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just talking about what he believes or she believes, you know, uh, you know, we can have a candidate who says that she or he does not believe that the Bible endorses homosexual sex acts or homosexual romance, but that person also believes the government does not have a right to interfere with people being who they are. You know, that that people have a right to exist as they choose to exist, and they have a right to love who they love. The government has no business dictating that to people. I think that's where the sweet spot is. Well, I I mean, to me, I think that's that's what, you know, everybody has has been preaching for a long time is, you know, just why are you worried about it? You know, it's, it's like all the people got a, you know, I've been out of shape over uh, Demi Lovato a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, and, and choosing to be called they, uh, which, you know, makes it difficult to write a few sentences, but, uh, about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, they, uh, yeah. but, uh, it's, you know, I, I mean, and it looks weird to, to write, you know, and to, and to say it and to, you know, try to work it into a sentence and stuff. But at the same time, I don't care, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. man. If that makes Demi Lovato happy and she's you know not breaking any laws, knock yourself out. You know, it's well, uh, you know you're a reasonable person. You and I both know there are a lot of, and I'm you know I'm saying this as a as a Christian and a church going person. There are mm-hmm. a lot of Christians out there who are not reasonable, Josh. Yeah, they are not yeah. reasonable, and they and they and they don't want to accept anybody around them or anybody in their purview having yeah. a different view. On these issues, and I think that's, and I don't think that's any more Christ-like than whatever it is they want to condemn and say is unChrist-like. You know, Jesus Christ, as far as I'm concerned, was a live and let live person on this earth. Mm-hmm. You know, except except when it came to the least of these, 
Jesus right. Christ did not like seeing the poor and children and the vulnerable abused by government or people of power. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, neither do I. So basically, I'm Amen Jesus. to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's slide out. Uh, when we uh, when we come back, uh, we'll have. Uh, is it a police chief Ken Scott? Is that is that well, how we? we I, I would call him. Chief, well, I you know, I, if I'm introducing him formally, I call him mm-hmm. Chief Scott. Chief Ken, okay. Chief Ken Scott. Yeah. All right. So yeah, it's uh, so from, from New Orleans. He'll uh, he'll uh, join us here when we come back in just a couple minutes. Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. Hi, this is David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, Josh and I have a lot of fun doing this podcast, and we also try to keep it very informational with newsmaker interviews, and and we try to do our research, too, before we get on here and pontificate. I hope that you find the podcast informative and entertaining. So if you do, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to rate us, subscribe to us, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is you're using to listen to us. Please do that. That will help us to move up in the rankings and also to uh, get more people to tune in. So if you're a fan of Alabama politics this week, I hope you'll do that for us. Thanks. Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week, Uh, David Person, along with Josh Moon, of course. And uh, we are pleased to have with us, I said we, and we are, we, Josh and I both are, but I'm especially pleased to have with us one of my oldest, dearest friends, Chief Kenneth Scott. And uh, Ken and I grew up together in Chicago. We've known each other just about all of our lives. Uh, and uh, and went to the same church, same school, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm very proud of Ken because he has had an illustrious uh, professional career uh, as uh, in law enforcement. Well, he started in the Marines, uh, but he went from the Marines into law enforcement, and he has been the chief of police for a number of entities uh, and municipalities. His his resume is actually kind of long. I don't want to read it all. But he's been the chief of police for uh, cities in the state of Maryland and South Dakota. He's been a security director for the FCC in, in Washington, D.C., a security consultant also up there. He currently is the chief of public safety for the Superdome and Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. So that means he ultimately helps to protect the uh, the New Orleans Saints, the NBA uh, uh, Pelicans, and also all of the fans and people that, that work in those facilities. Ken, that's a lot of policing, man. That's a lot of policing, year-round <laughs> policing, too. Uh, welcome, is. man. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. Thank you. I'm glad to uh, glad to be here. Glad to be able to participate. And uh, uh, throughout the years, it's always been a joy to be on your program because you handled me with kid gloves. 
I've heard you handle other people and uh, <laughs> I've been there when the gloves have come off and I'm just like, Dave, please, please keep the gloves on. I always consider you a big brother and big brothers always give little brothers big uh, beat downs, but you've been uh, gracious with me and uh, I definitely appreciate that uh, as well. Hey, hey, before before we go far, uh, South Dakota? You're, you're a yeah, police you chief know, in South Dakota? Man, let me tell you. So let me tell you, I, I tell people this all the time. If I had a son who was ill, he had Crohn's disease back in D.C. If he if he was not ill, I would still be the chief in Madison, South Dakota. When I tell you, uh, it's it's kind of like God's country out there, man. When 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 you think about it, yeah, uh, God's the only one there. God's <laughs> the only one there, man. I'm you, it was a hey, look, it was an experience. Let me tell you the difference, real quick. I'll tell you the difference. So I'm the chief of there, and then I then after that I was the chief in Capitol Heights, Maryland. Um, the chief in South, being the chief in South Dakota, I could go to the city council and I could say, hey, I need four new tires on five of my units. Not a problem, chief. Sign off on it. Boom. Go get your tires. Capitol Heights, Maryland. Totally different. Man, I had to fight for every hubcap, okay? Fight. Very hubcap. So, you know, uh, the reception was different. The policing was different. Uh, but I kind of enjoyed it because, you know, both experiences, because it kind of gave, it kind of rounded me out uh, uh, in my police. You know, it kind of gave me a different perspective of, of how people view police and, and administrations and police management. So, yeah, South Dakota, man, it was it was a, it was a great gig. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we wanted to have you on because. Uh, you have, I think, been unusual among uh, serving police chiefs in that you actually, as a black man, you t- you have made it a point, uh, Josh, and I, I think I may have forgotten to tell you this, but Ken, out of his own pocket, has traveled the country talking to uh, groups of young black people about how to uh, survive their encounters with the police. And I've sat through a couple of those presentations. He did, in fact, he's, he's done a couple here in Huntsville. And um, his, his perspective, I think, is, is very, truly fair and balanced in that he gives insight into the mindset of police. And he also acknowledges the challenges of, of being black and dealing with the police. While also, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to help young people to understand that if they want to survive those encounters, there's certain ways they've got to do it. And I've also heard Ken be critical of policing in situations. So we wanted to have Ken on because he's 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 true blue law enforcement, but he also does not forget that he's a black man and with black children and with a responsibility to uh to both communities the policing community and and the community at large so ken we want to talk to you about these um these incidents that have been happening around the country and of course we've had our own set of incidents here let's start with the most recent one Uh, a 22 year old man uh kamante hobbs uh was uh, uh was believed to have been panhandling at a at a, a gas station store here in Huntsville, 
he gets into, and this, you know, some of this is on video. He gets into uh, a situation where he and a police officer are on the floor. Apparently, the police officer is trying to apprehend him, take him under arrest. Some other officers come in. One officer in particular, immediately he comes into frame, and two seconds later, he's stomping on Mr. Hobbs's leg in a way that many of us have found profoundly disturbing. I know you've seen the video. I know you're apprised, you know, at least of the media reporting about this situation. As a professional law enforcement officer, what was your reaction to that video? Yeah. You know, uh, you and I talked about this, and one of the things, a couple of things that I kind of found uh, that, that came to mind, um, and being familiar with Huntsville, having you know family that lives there, I have a vested interest in, in, in Huntsville. And so when I, when I saw the video, a couple of things came to mind. One was, what was the purpose of an officer getting there, stomping on a person, and, and, and as he stomped on the person, I, you know, I looked and I... And, and he was saying, stop resisting arrests, stop resisting. And then he, after that, he just kind of stood by without even assisting within the arrest. So for one, what part of my question is, what part of your training uh, can, you, can you refer back to to say that was part of your training in uh, making a lawful arrest? It's coming in, stomping on someone and then just standing by, not even assisting with the actual handcuffing or trying to get the person's hand behind their back. And another thing that was kind of glaring to me, and this is why I asked about the demographics of, of Huntsville, knowing that it's growing, knowing that it's ever changing, definitely changed as I was there back in 1985. I'm there just about every year. So I kind of, you know, have a very uh, a good uh, uh, perspective of, of how Huntsville has grown and has changed. Um, you have an incident that I believe you said took place pretty much near the heart of the city or in, in, in the city. Right. And you have right. about seven officers, all seven officers that responded were white. So, uh, you know, to me, that has a, a, a telling impact on either the assignment of officers. Uh, there's an issue there or there's an issue with the actual officers um, not having enough diversity within your agency to represent the community that you serve. Uh, we talked about, I think we came up with about 40% minority uh, demographics in Huntsville. Yeah, so, all together. Yeah, people. All together, kind of, right. All together. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the everyone Asians and, and, and Blacks and the entire, you know, that, that entire community. Um, so why was there not someone who represented that guy who was on the floor who looked like him, who could empathize with him, uh, who could probably possibly intervene, uh, hopefully intervene and not let this happen. Um, that's an issue. And why, why was this officer so comfortable in coming um, along among his fellow officers and actually stomping on someone with that level of comfort where it didn't even bother him and it didn't seem to bother any other officer as well. So those are the, the, the glaring to me. Those are some of the glaring questions that I would have if I were investigating that incident. Uh, so, and those questions are hard questions that need to be asked and answered, uh, not only of that officer, but of the training, but of the management of the, the, and the supervision uh, within that agency. Um, this is not a one off. 
you know, right. apparently this this seems appears to be uh, something that is um, a- acceptable within the agency. I can recall a day back when Rodney King incident happened, and I saw the video. And one of my first questions, I think I told you before, one of my first questions was, "What, what was the problem?" Because my agency and my agency, that was what happened. If you ran from the police, you got a wood shampoo. So when the Rodney King happened, you know. And, and that went back to the training that I had from Prince George's County. You know, Prince George's County Police Department, the agency I came up with, was uh, counted as one of the most brutal agencies in, in the nation at the time. So it goes back to uh, you were comfortable enough to stomp on someone without even thinking about what type of repercussions. And also, no one seemed to be surprised by your actions. Right. Uh, so that's my initial take on that on that incident. So I'm going to ask you one other question before Josh comes in with his questions. You you referenced or, or alluded to your evolution, you know, your evolution from the training that you'd gotten in Prince George's County, Maryland, the mindset you had back then. And then and then, of course, with the questions you're asking now, it's obvious that your thinking has evolved tremendously from from the, the training you'd gotten in Prince George's County. Uh, Explain to people how you evolved as a police officer or as a as a as a police officer and police chief in your thinking and why. So, you know, it's um, when you when you go from um, one of the boys um, on a, a police agency, when you make that transition into a supervisory role, um, you know, a lot of people like to think, hey, yeah, I'm still one of the boys, uh, but you're not. <laughs> you're not one of the boys. If you continue with the mindset of being one of the boys, you will be one of the most unsuccessful supervisors in the history of supervision because uh, you, you, there, there's just no way that you can continue to do that uh, and maintain discipline. And that comes from my military training. That comes from being a police department. However, once you assume a head of an agency as a chief, particularly because that's my, that's my experience. Um, you no longer have that uh, ability to turn a blind eye to wrongs that happen within your agency or law enforcement at all. Uh, you have to evolve to the point where you have to be able to put yourself in a citizen role and a citizen view of how your citizens that you serve view your agency. You have to, um, in order to be successful, I believe that you have to be uh, truthful. Uh, You have to acknowledge that there are concerns, that there are issues within your agency. Failure to do that uh, will put you in the position that I believe that, um, not pointing fingers, but there's someone who is in your local jurisdictions um, who has recently made comments uh, that, in, in my mind, almost support and uphold wrongdoing. Um, and, and you cannot have that, uh, even if that is your gut feeling or if that's how you feel, those thoughts, because of your position, your thoughts, you cannot relay those thoughts to the public because it, and, and it's, and, and I know this kind of goes off topic of what, you're, what you asked me, but in that situation, I must address this. Um, one of the glaring things with that incident is, so as a police officer, a police chief or police manager, you believe that the arrests that your officers make 
and then are adjudicated and that a jury finds them, uh, the people guilty that you arrest, those are good arrests. The jury made a good decision in convictions. However, one of your own does something and a jury uh, uh, comes back with a conviction then all of a sudden the system is broken. It's not a good, that was not a good decision. You can't have 99% uh, one way and 1% the other way. Uh, so, you know, my, my evolution, uh, and there were years ago who I, I might've sided with that officers, man, you know, he did, he did the right thing. He got there, he saw it, he took care of the situation. However, you have to have a 30,000 foot view versus a very narrow view when you uh, uh, assume uh, a head of agencies. You know, um, and I think it kind of goes on what you're what you're talking about here, um, and 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 in kind of uh, you know addressing these situations that that happen. Uh, I think I think one of my biggest problems because I, I I don't have a, a problem with police. You know, I don't. You know, I'm listen. I you know I, I'm a I'm a white man. I've grown up my whole life where if I, I had trouble, I called the police. You know, and it never. You know, I listen. I I fully appreciate. Uh, what you know, what David has gone through, and what uh, of so many of of my black friends have gone through in their lives, and what they've experienced, and the and the conversations they've had to have with their kids that I'll never have with my daughter, you know. And so, um, but I think what what bothers me most is, uh, I mean, certainly the acts that some of the acts that we've seen from police officers uh, that have they've gotten themselves in trouble, even been convicted. Those those acts bother me. But what bothers me more is. Um, the, I guess kind of the, the code, uh, among police officers that prevents, I, I guess, you know, to simplify it, good officers from calling out bad officers. Um, and then in some cases, even covering up for bad officers. So, and, and it seems to be prevalent all across the country. And listen, I understand that it, you're, you're wanting to stick together and you've got to be brothers and you've got to have this trust there uh, amongst you because you're doing a, an incredibly difficult job in, in very dangerous situations. I get that. Uh, but how do you how do you break that to 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 kind of weed out those guys? Because we all know there, there's some guys that just shouldn't be police officers. All right. Uh, so how do you. How do you break that and, and and set up a system where it's okay for these guys to say this dude should not be doing this and we've got to stop this? Yeah, you know that is something that is has been uh, is systematic. It, it is something um, I kind of use this example, Josh. Um, so Officer Ken and Officer Josh uh, go on a, a, a call mm-hmm. um, and. Officer Josh does something inappropriate. That sounds right. So, that sounds right. <laughs> um, they come and ask Officer Ken about the incident. And I say, hey, yeah, Officer Josh did that. He's guilty. I saw him do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we going about our lives. Officer Ken at 1.30 in the morning makes a traffic stop um, by himself. Um, there might be officers that might be hesitant to come and back officer cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because they know that if something goes wrong or something goes bad, officer Ken's not going to support it. Mm-hmm. So officer Ken has to make a decision. Do I put myself in that position mm-hmm. where my life could be on the line uh, for that? And it might sound very like a television or might no, sound, but no. it's real life. 
(laughs) You know, these are real life decisions that you have to make. So now I'm branded because I went to internal affairs and I told exactly what happened. And Officer Josh got fired. Now, Officer Josh has a family, has a brand new baby, just bought a house, got a car. Now he's out of a job. And the rest of my uh, co-workers are looking at me as as the one to snitch. Mm -hmm. Now, so how do we go about breaking um, up that thin blue line and that code of silence that we have? Uh, Knowing that a lot of times that thin blue line is what, uh, and I'll give you an example. I had an officer who I worked with, I couldn't stand his guts. I mean, I wouldn't spit on him if he was on fire. I really wouldn't, all right? Um, However, um, if he called out in need of help, we call signal 13. If he called out where an officer in distress, I'm coming. Mm -hmm. I'm coming, I'm coming full speed. I'm gonna get there. We're gonna take care of whatever situation. I'm gonna make sure that he's okay. After that, I'm gonna spit on him. (laughs) okay Uh, you know but that's just the mentality that police have towards other police officers uh and and one of the things i think that that can help is um an an old officer told me when i was a young officer they said ken make sure that you have people who are friends outside of police work don't always hang at the lodge don't always go fishing with only police don't always have police at your house grilling because you develop an us against them mentality. You need to stay grounded in your community. Another way to do that is, you know, just like I appreciate David and my friends to David and my friends, I'm Ken. That's what they know me as not chief Scott. So, you know, it gives me that, it, that it keeps me grounded. I think a lot of officers develop that us against them mentality and it's tough to break. So, to answer your long, a, a long answer to a short question is that is something that is systematic. That is something that I, I don't believe will probably change in our lifetime. Um, but there are some officers who are breaking ranks now because they see what is going on within the community and their conscience will not allow them to continue to see things happen in the police world and just let it go. Yeah, I was, I, and I guess you know, I I understand, yeah, that. I mean, and and I I know that it's, um, you know, you you have to, uh, you have to have that trust, and you have to have those bonds there. I, I just I, I just wonder if there was a there's a way to uh, to incentivize that, you know, to to incentivize, hey, you know, and and to focus on because you you, it sounds, I'll tell you this, it, it sounds weird to me to hear a police officer say. Well, this guy that does did wrong. It man, he's got a family and a kids, and you know, and, and now he's going to lose that because he did the wrong <coughs> thing. And the people who are upholding the law is the you know is the reason for that. Even though that's what they do on a daily basis, you know, it just it, it, the the kind of I guess cognitive dissonance it, it's, it's required there is is a little uh, a little hard to take sometimes. But is there a way to to incentivize that in some manner to to make sure that police officers or even if it's, you know, I don't even know what the system would be, an anonymous system or something to make sure that those things happen. Yeah. And, and you just mentioned something that, 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 that is great that officers have. Um, and a lot of agencies, a lot of large agencies have it. You can report something in anonymously. Um, yeah. You know, you can say, hey, look, this happened. I'm not going to give my name, but I believe you need to look into A, B or C. You know, it's just like I sit on the Crime Stoppers board here for Greater New Orleans. And, you know, we have a system where you can call in. I give you a number. 
you know, and 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 if the person is convicted and and, 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 and or whatever, you get a monetary reward for that. You know, those are those are things that could possibly uh, be implemented. Uh, I know, like I said, there 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 are complaint lines within a lot of larger agencies. The smaller agencies might not have them, but I do believe that that needs to. You you have to have something uh, a reporting system where officers not immediately um, identified. I know it sounds crazy. It's like you said. You know, we're upholding the law, but we're scared of <laughs> we're scared to enforce the law among ourselves. <laughs> it sounds crazy, uh, but I'm just speaking true life here you know uh i sure. in an ideal world in an ideal yeah. world oh that would be wonderful uh but true life there needs has to be some sort of reporting system uh where that officer does not feel there'll be any backlash uh whether it, it be among his officers or among uh the supervisors or the management and they can report these things that are going on and and i'll tell you let me tell you what's interesting josh uh i remember being a street officer Everybody on the squad knew how everybody else policed. Mm-hmm. I knew on my squad, I'm not going to call any names, but I know to this day on my squad, I had people on my squad that were brutal, brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and I knew that they were brutal. And you always hear them, you know, on the radio saying we're going 1015, which is escort to PGH, to Prince George's Hospital. So you couldn't just make a regular arrest and go straight to jail. Every time this cat made an arrest, he's going mm-hmm. to the hospital. Well, mm-hmm. why, why are your arrests that way? But we knew. So you know who on your squad, and you also know who makes bogus arrests. You know, we used to call them humming people. You just, you're really going to lock that person up for having, you know, that much marijuana, you know, a very mm-hmm. small amount. I mean, come on now. You know, those type of, we call them hummers. You're just trying to pad your stats. Uh, and everyone knows how everyone polices on, on their squad if they've been along with us. So right. people, you know that. And, and weeding those people out has been, if someone could come up with a system to weed those people out, you'll be a multimillionaire. Ken, that's a good note to end on. Uh, we have run out of time. Uh, I really appreciate you joining us today. Your voice lends credibility to uh, this concern we have about the culture of policing. And I want to thank you for for being a good police chief mm-hmm. and one who who really wants this thing to work out for the benefit of everybody. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank, thank you again you. for having me. It's no problem, Josh. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I wish all the best for Huntsville because like I said I had that vested interest there. And uh, hopefully you guys can get over this hump uh, and, and move forward and, and, and get things back on the right track. All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. You're yeah. welcome, guys. Yeah. I mean, that's that's great. He was. Uh, that's. Uh, I wish if we could if we could duplicate Kim, man. in every police department around the world, we imagine how much better things would be. A whole right. lot better. Yeah. A whole lot better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, uh, let's slide out of here. Uh, we'll come back and wrap this thing up in just a few minutes. It's Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon, that is David Person. That's uh, we're wrapping this baby up here. Um, you know, we mentioned at the top of this and uh, you know, about the the latest incident in Huntsville. Um, so, if you're unfamiliar, there is video uh, that went viral last weekend 
um, of a gentleman named Camonte Hobbs. Uh, 22-year-old, is that right? 22-year-old? Yes. Um, yes. And he was uh, apparently, uh, from all the comments that I have seen, uh, panhandling outside of a uh, of a convenience store, a Mapco in Huntsville. And the owners or the managers of the store uh, felt he was, you know, harassing customers. And they called the police uh, to come get him. By the time the police got there, somehow or another, this whole thing ended up inside the Mapco. Uh, mm -hmm. And so there was a police officer there who was attempting to detain uh, Mr. Hobbs, um, handcuff him. Uh, and I, I assume arrest him uh, for this, for the panhandling, although he was not charged with any harassment or very strange. Yeah, I know. Right. Very strange. Um, and so yeah. he um, uh, this is where cell phone video picks up. Uh, they are on the floor near the drinks uh, in the backside of the Mapco. Uh, looking like uh, crackhead Ezel from Friday on the floor after a slip and fall. Um, <laughs> crackhead Ezel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from, but I mean, I mean, I just, you know, just the whole scene is like that whole deal there where he's on the floor. Uh, yeah. But anyways, it's uh, the, um, that, so the police officer is, uh, is rolling around on top of him. And at that time, the video starts just a couple of seconds after it starts, uh, all these other officers rush in to help. Uh, and there's probably four, four or five, I would say. Um, mm, something and, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, most of them, uh, you know, kind of dive into the pile and start to try to control, uh, hops help the officer get control of his hands and uh, and roll him onto his stomach so they can handcuff him his hands behind his back. One officer though begins to emphatically stomp on his legs. I mean, mm -hmm. I, and it kicks him like four or five, six times uh, on the legs. I mean, violently just yep. stomping his legs. Um, and that video, as you might imagine, has outraged a lot of people because, you know, I, I mean. <sighs> There was no reason for that. I mean, it just. It's a bad no, look, man. It's, it's a bad well, look. It's, listen, should, should uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know if he was necessarily resisting uh, a lot of this time. You know, and, and I think that's one thing we ought to kind of go over with, with police sometimes in, in this is uh, there's a lot of situations where. Uh, people are like, whoa, you know, what kind of what, what are you doing? What, what's, what, are you, what are you talking about? What's going on here? And they're like, stop resisting and, yeah. you know, just start pounding away when and then excuse it all with, well, it was resisting arrest. He, he wasn't following orders when the person that you're doing that to or that they are doing that to are most often just like trying to ascertain what the hell is going on yeah. this and why you're acting that way with them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I don't know if that's what took place with Mr. Hobbs. I don't know if he was saying, well, you know, why are you, what, what are you talking about? I'm not doing anything here. Well, you know? and, and let's, and let's also factor this in. Uh, Mr. Hobbs's mother says that he has a history of mental illness okay. that he, in fact, she even used the word, I believe she used the word schizophrenic, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here's a person who could very well, it could very well be that Mr. Hobbs really had no way to process what mm -hmm. was happening to him and didn't have a clear understanding of it. Mm -hmm. So once again, we have a situation where police are making a snap judgment about someone who's in crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was uh, Mr. Jeff Parker. You know, a few years ago when he had a gun to his own head yeah. today, it's Mr. Keontae Hobbs 
you know, who, you know, by his own family's description has mental illness issues. You know, this is a recurring theme. Yeah. And it's, and it's extremely problematic. It is. And, and listen, I understand policing is, is very, very tough. I do. I do. And I, and I, and I appreciate the job and I appreciate how tough it is. I do. And I appreciate the people that are willing to do it. Um, but at the same time, man, there, there seems to be on a lot of these videos of these interactions here, this sort of confrontational attitude in which people enter these situations and there's never, um, so, I mean, let's take uh, this Hobbs situation here. All right. So let's say he was panhandling outside of a store and, or he, and he was, you know, going up and asking people for money and they called him and they want him removed from the, from the premises or whatever. And you arrive there. Why, you know, why are you treat, you know what I mean? Why are you hostile towards him? Right, and then right. why, why do you roll up hostile? That, that's what I don't understand well, is, you know, he's not, he doesn't have a gun. He doesn't have a weapon. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have, he's not threatened anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he just bugs some people, you know, right. and acted a little, probably a little weird, you know, for, for normal people, you know, he's weird, you know, whatever. So, uh, and so why are you acting that way? So and, our legal system is based on the premise that people are presumed innocent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. But policing often doesn't reflect that. No, policing often seems to be uh, executed from the standpoint that if they get a call, then that must mean that a person has done something. And the police begin to act not only as peace officers, but as judge and jury mm-hmm. and, and, and in some cases, executioner, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the problem, Josh. Yeah. That's the well, problem. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the other problem here is let's say the same call had come in for somebody harassing people in the parking lot, right? Mm-hmm. And that they wanted somebody removed. And the police had showed up and there was uh, an older white gentleman mm-hmm. in the parking lot wearing a, a coat and tie. Mm-hmm. But he was clearly intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that the that there would have been a wrestling match on the floor of the Mapco with somebody stomping on his legs if that had taken place? Uh, if that even even if the even if the guy had said whoa whoa yo and backed away and tried to get away from the the police as they as he was trying to detain him? Do, do you, you want my honest were, answer? Yes. Do you want my honest answer? Hmm? Hell freaking no! <laughs> Hell freaking no! Yeah, I mean, just that it, it, it wouldn't have occurred that way. And no. and listen, I'll say this: uh, taking race out of it a little bit, a tiny bit, uh, taking race out of it. Had that been a young white man, uh, you know, a youngish white man there uh, that was dressed exactly the same as Mister Hobbs and had done exactly the same thing, I, you know, I think it's probably fifty fifty uh, as to whether or not he would have been treated the same way, Josh. Mm-hmm. Hell freaking no. You don't think so? Hell okay. freaking no. Yeah. I mean, probably, probably, probably not. I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, but. It, it would have been, it, it would have gone like this, Josh. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got a call, man. What, what's going on? You okay? What's, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Are you out here asking people for money, bud? Hey, hey, mm-hmm. you know you can't do that, right? Yeah. Let's get, come on, let's get in the car. Well, yeah, I'll come on, come with the, yeah, yeah. yeah, let me take you somewhere, bud. Where do you yeah. need to go? And, and it's just, um, and so, and, and you see videos like that a lot. And so it becomes obvious that police do know how to behave that way. 
Police do oh, know how to how to absolutely. how to have those interactions with people. Police absolutely. don't roll up to every single scene and 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 have that hostility. But you know, in some they do, and you and you just and that's the thing that always strikes me in those videos is is it's not you know it's not the acts because I'm not surprised about anything they do anymore. All right, in those things, what's always kind of surprising to me is how angry they are at the very beginning. You know how at the, I mean from the start they're the ones. That escalated, not de-escalated. They're the ones who escalated up and, and start with this attitude towards people, this this hateful, um, superior attitude that they have. Uh, and, and it just, it, it. I mean, if I was the other guy on the other end of that, I'd be like, oh, what is your problem? You know, right. what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you acting like that with me, dude? Right. You know, uh, and, and it's exactly the way those people act. And and then you hear the, well, if he would just complied, you know, when they, when everybody knows if a cop had rolled up on them and acted the same way, they would have done the same thing. They would have told them the same stuff, man. And it just, well, uh, well it, yeah, everybody except those of us who are black, because we fear for our lives, literally. Yeah. So yeah. we are, you know, now, and I'm saying older black people, we, you know, we have these conversations and we're like, you know, and we try, we tell our children, look, you, you know, I need you to get out of it alive. And I've told my son this, get out of the situation alive and, and then we'll take, you know, we'll take things to court, but I need you to survive it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and Josh, I keep telling you, man, don't get a tan, bro. Because if you do, <laughs> you're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Uh, it's, but it, well, but in response to that, and and to the other problems in Huntsville, uh, I know the the group that you are a part of, the Rosa Parks State Committee, um, and uh, Anthony Daniels and Laura Hall, state representatives that represent Huntsville, Madison County. Um, y'all have uh, sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking for an investigation. Yeah, we uh, we are asking for the Department of Justice to to address what we believe are serious concerns with the Huntsville Police Department, and it and it stems from you know the past year's activities. You know, I don't know that that was on anybody's mind prior to uh, what happened uh, a year ago with the uh, militarized police response to George Floyd. The mm-hmm. George, the local George Floyd protest, mm-hmm. uh, right up to and culminating perhaps with what happened to Mr. Hobbs just this week. Uh, but we decided after our meeting with the mayor, uh, you know, we we you know, well, actually, we were contemplating doing it even before our meeting with the mayor. But after our meeting with Mayor Battle a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had committed to the mayor. That as long as he rescinded his statement mm-hmm. in support of the of uh, Officer Darby, despite Officer Darby being convicted of murder, we had said we weren't going to call for a DOJ investigation. But when the mayor reneged on his his commitment to us and and decided to try to have it both ways and and affirm both of his statements. Mm-hmm. The committee just threw its hands up as a as a group. We threw our hands up and just said, well, that's it. You know, we got to move forward. So that's what we've done. Yeah, well, I can't blame you for that. Um, and, and, and it's really, I mean, at this point, I mean, we're also got the only police department in America with a convicted murderer on the payroll. I mean, really, yeah. it's, it's a month yeah. later and he's still on the payroll. And they're yeah. like, well, you know, he took leave. What could we do? 
I mean, it's just so stupid, man. And everybody, what's so, what's so dumb about it is every single person that you tell it to, it doesn't matter. It's now crossed party lines, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody that you tell that to, they're like, get the hell out of here. That's not right, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just so... It's so stupid. A month later, and that dude is still on the payroll, and they're still making excuses for it. And then, uh, you know, it, it, and it's clear what they're doing, and and they're not fooling anybody. And and people have have wised up to this thing. It's just, I hope the Department of Justice takes a listen. I know that uh, there are certain people uh, that that have some pull uh, with that, and I hope, uh, and, you know, one one gentleman in particular who is uh, who is part of the of the group there that that sent the letter. Uh, has some has some contacts within the White House and the Department of Justice, and so I thought I hope that 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 takes place. Um, and because listen, it you know it can only make the, the the Department better. Even if it comes back and they say, listen, there's nothing we can do. Uh, at least you will have had an investigation, and there are people that have looked into it that are unbiased and have determined that your police department is not infested with uh, with with people that are they're doing things the wrong way, uh, and with folks that are going to violate civil rights. So uh, hopefully that will. Will be the case, but um, hey, yeah. before uh, before we wrap up, let's uh, let's let's introduce our right wing of the week, who is uh, who is an oldie, it's an oldie but a goodie, uh, and that is your our boy, our our other uh, representative, our, our congressional representative from the Huntsville area, Mo Brooks, yeah. who uh, who will not hear this because he's in a bunker somewhere hiding from uh, undisclosed location, <laughs> yeah, from Eric Swalwell's process servers uh, and. Uh, he is. Uh, I don't know if everybody saw the stories or not, but uh, they have been trying to serve Mo Brooks along with uh, Don Jr., Donald Trump, uh, and Rudy Giuliani for their roles in the insurrection, uh, for inciting the insurrection uh, and placing uh, people's lives at danger. And Eric Swalwell has sued them, uh, claiming that it was you know they they helped uh, you know rile up this crowd, encouraged them to go to the Capitol. Uh, uh, Mo Brooks told them to take names and kick ass and mm-hmm. um, and so this you know was part of inciting a riot and violates the federal t- uh, anti-terrorism laws and uh, as a result of that he suffered uh, emotional distress and I believe he plans to call other representatives uh, to testify that they did as well because they were indeed trapped inside the house chambers for quite some time. Uh, gunshots going off near the chambers. Uh, you know, people had they breached those doors that were barricaded by the Capitol Police uh, would have uh, would have probably killed them. Uh, at least yep. there would have been some serious physical harm done. Um, and so, you know, we're uh, the, he's suing them. And Mo Brooks, uh, the, the other three, have waived service of the subpoena. Uh, Mo Brooks has not and has ducked the, the process server now for for several weeks. Uh, Mo on the run. Yeah, running, baby, <laughs> running. Uh, and, and it's hiding. And you just got to wonder, what the hell is Mo trying to hide? You know uh. I mean? Wonder what's in those cell phone records. I wonder if he was talking to anybody, like Proud huh. Boy or somebody. You know, huh. just anybody. Huh. Yeah. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, exactly. But that's our right wing nut of the week, and you know, really, it's our right wing nut forever, uh, Mo Brooks. So, <laughs> right wing nut emeritus. <laughs> that's right. All right, listen. I told you it was going to be a fantastic show. I think we delivered. Um, yeah. You know, we we listen. We fixed that. We fixed the Democratic Party. Uh, we fixed policing, <laughs> uh, and we honored Mo Brooks's run from justice. So I don't know what else we could have done. No, I, uh, and I think that's the perfect way to end with Mo on the run. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna slide out of here. Uh, until next week, y'all be safe. Peace.